Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. And welcome to ADX Montrose, the Alcatraz of the Rockies. Today, we are going to be discussing the series finale and the conclusion to this 14-year journey, 14-year story. Two shows, 125 episodes, a movie, like, yeah, it's the conclusion of that 14-year story. And joining me for this discussion, now that he's finished rummaging through the dumpster for his missing diamonds, it's Ebube! How are you doing, Ebube? I am sad, because as it turns mm-hmm. out, chickens do come home to roost. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know what saddened me more. <laughs> the consequences or the loss of those diamonds, because I remember when he was trying oh, to package them in Breaking Bad. It's like wow, this man been through a lot. The moment, the moment he tried to open that phone case and in the, in the oh. dustbin, I was like, "What are you doing? Just wait. You can't even make this call. They will hear you, anyways." Um, Literally, we're gonna get to, obviously, obviously, we're gonna get to talk. That's what we're here for. But it's weird because I think this was actually out of the last maybe three episodes. This was the most cheerful for me. <laughs> I was like, "This was the one I was really? probably the least <laughs> depressed," which is weird because it doesn't seem like everybody. Anyway, we'll talk about it. Uh, but Interesting. Okay. Go, into Saul and Jean and Jimmy and Kim and Walt apparently and uh, Marie. Uh, anyway, um, just for you guys to know what doing on this podcast, we're also covering industry over on this podcast feed. So if you're enjoying season two as much as we are, please check out those episodes. Also, if you're enjoying it with his voice, if you've been enjoying his voice for the past, what, five, six weeks? Don't worry, he's graciously accepted I invite. He's coming back. Next week, he'll be discussing the return of dragons with us. So he will be here on our House of the Dragon recap. So don't worry, he's not gone yet. Can't get rid of me. Seems like it. And also, we'll probably be covering the Lord of the Rings show, The Rings of Power, in some capacity on this podcast. So yeah, exciting episodes coming up about exciting TV shows. How do you keep informed of all these episodes, you might ask? Well, you follow us on whatever platform you're listening on right now. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I heard about the Samsung podcast app, like literally today. So yeah, if you if, that, if you want to find people that uses that, follow us there as well. Um, and also follow us on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, and if you're currently watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe and share as well. Yeah, that's it. That's the admin. If you know anyone that likes industry or Better Call Saul or House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones or whatever, talk about this podcast and hopefully they can. Enjoy this podcast as well. Okay, let's talk about Saul. Season 6, episode 13. Season and series finale. Titled Saul Gone. Written and directed by co-creator and showrunner Peter Gould. First of all, I just found this out on the internet. And I think it's true because these guys really do their homework on all these sites. But apparently this is the first um, season stroke series finale in the entire Breaking Bad universe in which nobody dies. Yep. That's like, I was like, oh, like, anyway. Um, I know, I know people the- are disappointed by that because the, 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 there's, there's like yeah. a lot of people on the internet. Yeah, cause apparently there's a bunch of people on the internet that are like, please kill Saul Goodman. Like, they feel like that's the only, like, retribution that would make sense or like it would be it's the only way it would be poetic. And I'm like, why do you people just like blood? <laughs> Let this man you live out his days. Let's talk about that in a second. Let's talk about that in a second. Let's talk about that when we talk about the finale itself as in what actually happens because 
that's a point that I don't think I agree with. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about it in comparison to like the Breaking Bad finale. But mm-hmm. I'm going to start with an obvious question and one that I also think has an obvious answer. Um, did they stick the landing? Did these guys stick the landing in your opinion? I believe they did. I definitely believe I they did. They did as well. I mean, look, we're in the pocket of big, what do you call them? Big Vince, big, big Peter. Like, we believe we, we <laughs> they can do no wrongs. So I think we're always going to accept whatever they did. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed this finale. I, I think I was maybe two positions throughout the entire show. Maybe like in the 40th minute, I switched from like this to like, to like this. Like, I was just stuck in what, like watching the entire show is transfixed for the entire one arm, 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, so, really engrossing stuff this week. Um, this is a happy ending in like the Breaking Bad universe. This is the best we could get for a happy ending. I, I suppose in a sense, just because everybody got closure without violence, <laughs> which I, is almost uncharacteristic of this show. <laughs> obviously, the last the last two weeks we've been like, oh, like Gene has gone real bad. Like there's going to be no happy ending for him and Kim. But like, I was like, oh, wait. Which is why, like earlier I said that this, I was least depressed watching this episode. I was like, oh, wait, this wasn't as depressing as I thought it was. Which, I guess, let's let's talk about the actual finale and what actually happens. Um, first of all, right out of the gate, I was very surprised how quickly Saul went to jail. Like, right. I thought that was, like, a last, <laughs> last 10 minutes kind of thing, not first 10 minutes. So that was already very surprising to me. Um, <laughs> what, what was your thinking when all that was happening in literally the first 10 minutes? Like, when you're like, oh, wait, he's in jail at this point. I was like, this guy, you're not going to get far. You're clearly rusty. You don't even know how to escape anymore. What's this? How, how are you dropping these keys on the ground, first of all? Then you get in the oh, car, you give her enough time to read your plates so they can follow you. Then you, I, I really think he's trying to, to grab like a substantial set of things, maybe change his outfit a bit, if possible. Police are already outside. It's like, okay, you go through the window. Good. You dodge a helicopter and then they find you in the trash. Why? Like, I mean, you could have kept quiet he, there. He said the exact same thing, though. He was like, this is how this is how they get you. Like, he, this, this is how they get you. He like, supported himself as, as, as you were. Um, when he was walking the circle saying it, I was like, yeah, bro, apparently. Yeah, this, this is how they is get, how you. get you. So... Let's talk about what you said about how people wanted Saul to die. And I'm just going to put it out of the gate, right out of the gate right now. I'm not going to do the thing that we should be doing or people want us to do, it, which is like, which show was better, right? I'm not going to do that because I believe that recency bias will be, will maybe go too much in favor of Saul. Yeah. But I would want to talk about the, better, the Breaking Bad finale, which I think maybe it's kind of people's opinions are kind of like soured in the last few years, but I still think it's a very strong finale. I think it's, Breaking Bad is obviously an all-time like Mount Rushmore show. I think that was a very great finale for the type of show that Breaking Bad was. But then talking about thinking about someone dying, I think it was it might have been Vince or Peter that said in the last few weeks. But it was something that we mm-hmm. kind of knew in terms of war. It's like death is an easy out, right? To give people's people have problems with the Breaking Bad finale, right? Because for people like not again, it's not problems like ah, it's a terrible finale because it's not. It's like, one of the best finales ever. But people's problems with that is that Walt's kind of, how do I put it, not, not gets away with it, but kind of gets away with it. He gets to what? He gets to come back, leave money for his kids, confess to Skylar, yeah. 
um, give Skylar like a, a joke-free card regarding um, Gomi and Hank's bodies. Goes out in the blaze of glory by killing Nazis. Like he killed, who can be angry with someone that kills Nazis? He killed Nazis, right? <laughs> kills Nazis, yeah. frees Jesse, and then he dies like with a gunshot, not with cancer killing his body or in jail. So it's just like, it's yeah. almost, which was the type of show Breaking Bad was. Breaking, I was thinking about this, and I don't know, this might be a terrible comparison, but to me, like, Breaking Bad, which was always, always very operatic and very loud and very big, Breaking Bad was almost like a movie. It was very eventful. which Saul was like a TV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like Breaking Bad was like, and that's how you end a movie. You end a movie with like, your beat Scarface or whatever, your protagonist going out in a blaze of glory, right? But in a TV show, which is so, which was very pensive, like, this is how you end so but anyway yeah i think so dying would have just not been the right ending for this character yeah yeah what do you think what do you think about you can talk about what i just said in terms of like comparison to the breaking bad finale but also where we live jimmy i want to call him jimmy but also like everybody in prison is calling him so but let's call him jimmy where we leave jimmy at the end of this at the end of this show yeah well i don't think he needs to be waltz you know how i i, I was <laughs> I was talking last week about how people will get mad when the events in their head don't play out on the screen. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, it does make sense that he would survive because it, it goes it, and it goes back again to all the stuff I've been saying about what Jimmy's real issue is, and that's the fear of confrontation with himself. So it, it, mm-hmm. it makes sense that if they're going to end this guy in a way that's rounded, it would be that he actually finally faces himself. Like, he got them down to seven years. He didn't have to do all that extra stuff. He probably didn't even have to get to Kim that way, but I think the guilt was eating at him so much. It's like, it's unnecessary. I'm actually kind of mad he did this because he could have gone in there, had seven years, and maybe tried to start from the beginning with Kim. He may not be able to practice law again, probably, but... You know, he can have some kind of semblance, but now he's going to be there for like 80, 85, 86 years. And yeah, but like... That, that's a lot. Him getting, him getting the seven years, isn't that just more of Saul? There's no... Essentially, like just, I, well, he could change in that time because he essentially reached a point where he wanted to, I guess, repent. But I think maybe um, at that last moment, he realizes, I got this reduced sentence by doing the things that got me in this seat in the first place. Exactly. It's time for me to be Jimmy again. So mm-hmm. he chooses to be Jimmy. And while I don't necessarily like the results for him in like on, on the surface, I, I do like that he chose to sort of be himself and face himself. You know, he, he, he did all his confessions. He went out of his way to absolve Kim as much as possible. And yeah, you know, I, think that I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he tried his best, but I don't think that does anything. I like, in terms I like, of I like, that, he, I like that he tried. So, uh, because I, I agree with you, um, death would be an easy out. Like yeah. the hard part is keeping the person alive in order to kind of reckon with themselves. Death would be an easy out for the character. It would be an easy out for the writers as well. And we know yeah. these writers don't really like easy. If anything, the, like difficult like that's on record of liking difficult yeah. things um, yeah I so I don't know if I would have enjoyed the, this finale the way I did in terms of it not being depressing as much as I did if uh-huh. he got the seven years 
right? If he took look as a person, I can agree with that. As an individual, I want him to take seven years because that's the smart thing to do, right? Is what I would do if I was in, in real life. But as a TV yeah. character, right? As, as someone who needs to show growth and who needs to face his actions and also grow from them, confessing is like the right thing to do, right? He he, he echoed what you've been saying the last few few weeks, and that like. Jimmy doesn't want to face his consequences. He always run, run away from here. And he says it here, that he runs away, right? And yeah. I I like the fact, because also we kind of danced around this also last week about how there might be a bit of Jimmy inside trying to like fight, fight out or whatever. And I like the fact that it's like when he realizes that he kind of goaded Kim into confessing. And it's like, oh wait, she yeah. actually did that. And like, mm-hmm. let's be honest, if there's anyone else that's going to, you know how, how do I put this? You know how you watch a show or a movie or whatever, and somebody's like um, hypnotized and is a different character. And maybe there's only one, or even there's only one thing that can bring them back. They need a memento, or they need someone from their past or whatever to bring back to them to who they are. The only person that could be that for Jimmy is Kim, because he's always seen Kim as the best of, 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 of people and he's always aspired to be worthy of Kim. I'm good enough for Kim. And I think realizing that, oh, she actually did that is like, oh, I'm I might actually be a piece of shit, aren't I? Like this, <laughs> I actually do need to do this. Like I need to actually confront everything now, confront Chuck, confront Howard, confront like I can't just be the shouting to all goodman anymore. And I think and I don't think it's far fetched because we've always seen this Jimmy. This Jimmy has always been somewhere down there. Like he's always he's always been trying to do a good thing but then something else pushes him down that path and you're like oh this is this is that guy and he's there so yeah personally i love the way this finale ends i love the choices they made i love the fact that he he manages to get seven years through his just his sheer skill like being and you're like oh you do have just to do like that, that he could. <laughs> yes yeah so i i like for that he was meant to get us seven years but then reason came and like it's if we watched the last four episodes only as the TV show, it might feel, it might feel contrived. You're like, how does the guy that was almost threatening Marion three hours ago, how does he go to this guy? Mm-hmm. But we also mm-hmm. have 60 worth episodes of Jimmy to know that like, he's always, he's always been closer to good than Walter White ever was. Like he's always been yeah. never so far. Like, so like even as Saul, we know Saul was a character. Like I think we discussed, this. Heisenberg was not a character. Heisenberg was who was his true nature. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, <laughs> I personally, I personally really liked the ending. I liked the way I am. I sad for for so Jimmy Jimmy McPhee, that is, This is the end of his. Yeah, of course, I'm sad that he's going to die in prison. Uh, but in terms of, of a character development, I think I think it really works out. And I'm and I like. I think this they stuck the landing back to the original original question. For um, sure, and I think I also like the you know, the, the cameos, I think that each mm-hmm. one was very well thought out. It wasn't mm-hmm. just fan service. Like there's a reason we saw each of these people. I like the running theme of the time machine question. Mm-hmm. You know, the transitions were cool as well. So even in terms of filmmaking, they still, you know, hit the nail on the head very well. It was very cool to see Mike right at the beginning. It was, mm-hmm. it was cool to see even, even Bill Oakley being there, like there's something kind of endearing about that. That surprised me as well. I was like, oh, wow. That yeah. was surpri- like, I was, I think I, I was surprised as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of filmmaking quickly, just the shots, the cuts to the exit sign when he mentions Chuck. 
Yes. And then you can hear the static on there. I was like, this is just, that's just incredible. Like, that's just, that's something that you, you have history with this show and you know what that means. You remember the chicanery episode. But let's, let, while you put them on, let's talk about the, the cameos and let's start with the flashbacks. Um, actually, no, let's start with what I think was the most effective cameo and most surprising to me, which was Betsy Brandt coming back as, as Marie. I, there was no, rumor of this happening there was no leak of this happening honestly when i saw her i was like why <laughs> but it made so much sense because when he was walking i was like oh woman not blonde came and then she turns around i'm like wait what like like, like <laughs> because there's been no allusion to her there's been no reference of her she did not appear in el camino we, we have literally not thought about her in years in 10 years like since breaking bad ended in 2013 we've not seen thought had anything about her and then it was skylar we had skylar's name like two weeks ago and then now you, she comes in and then she has that monologue about hank and you're like Oof. you remember what kind of history you have with this show and these characters and you're like yeah like I, yeah i don't know what to say <laughs> it's like yeah that's just that, 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 that's just so good it's like when you, that's how you, that is how you use world building you spend all this time and energy making such rounded characters that exist in a believable world that has real stakes and then right at the end, you bring those, you bring all those tools, all those things you set up and you pay them off in a way that feels earned. Like that's mm-hmm. really nice. Like the chickens came home to roost in the writing too, because every single appearance made sense. Like it makes perfect sense that it would be Marie Schrader that'd be there. Cause she's the only person left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's the only person left with like a bone to pick Marie, who I still believe is, you know, diet Walter White. <laughs> I really feel like she is kind of the only person who was actually outside of all of this. Mm-hmm. Like everybody we know, everybody we've been following has been involved somehow. She was the only clueless person who, despite being kind of a questionable character in terms of like her personality, still deserves, you know, some justice, some answers for the loss of her family. I didn't so, mind her personality, surely on the rewatch. Yeah, the rewatch, I guess, but like there are times when it's like she's just she 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 felt a little insufferable sometimes, and even Hank sometimes felt insufferable to me. But didn't necessarily want anything terrible to happen to happen to him. But in the end, Hank was a smart guy who knew when his time was up. I think Marie has a harder time accepting such things, especially since you know, especially since she she lost Skylar as well. Because yeah. I would not imagine they are on speaking terms. Oh, no, of course not. But I mean, so, let's, yeah. let's put it in context. Not only has she lost her husband and her sister, and she's alone. This is what, five, maybe eight months since her husband disappeared? Maybe three months mm-hmm. since like they found his body? Like everything is still very fresh. And you can see that in performance as well. Like the black and white yeah. always gives the impression that like she's wearing all black and like she's a woman who's mourning in like, oh, she's. She's still fresh. This is like six years later or whatever. Everything is still fresh. So, yeah, I was surprised with, with the appearance of Marie, but also just thought it was just very well done. Her, her in the courtroom as well. She doesn't say anything, but you can just see everything play out on her face. Um, okay, let's talk about the flashbacks. And I think I found it interesting that every... Obviously, the, the running theme, like you said, about the time machine represents the running theme of, of regret. Mm-hmm. But I was I found it very interesting because first the first thing I clocked was like every flashback, right, is with an older man that Jimmy probably somewhat like looked up to or 
respected in one way or the other, right? And try to aspire to be like. And obviously, Walt is the youngest out of all of them, but he is like canonically, he's two years older than Jimmy. Every one of them is obviously giving this thing. I mean, before we get to Chuck, uh, Mike and Walt are giving this this kind of. Even though Walt is Walt is kind of Walt is full of bullshit as well. But he's still giving something that he actually regrets, even though we know that's not the real thing he regrets because he looks at the watch that Jesse gave him like five seconds before. And to, in context, this is like maybe a day after he's sold Jesse to, to the Nazis. Um, so we know that's not what he really regrets, but it is something that he regrets. Meanwhile, what does, what, what does Jimmy say? Like he regrets sleeping too hard on, on ice or whatever. And it's, just, it's, just, it's like, again, back to what he said and what he says in the episode, he's always running away from it he's running away from the truth you you kind of get the feeling that he's very close to saints every time but then he flips to talk yeah. about money or talk about his knee and yeah I, just I don't the know, superficial what things you know it's mm-hmm. the superficial things because mike said the same thing mike was like really like you have all we're going to believe that you have all the power in the world to go back and change anything and all it is to you is money like there's i mean what questions like that are interesting because you kind of learn a little bit not fully and not necessarily in a rounded sense, but on some slight level, you learn a little bit about what matters to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I, I was thinking about the dates Mike mentioned, you know, the 2001 date probably has something to do with maybe his son. Oh, I'm um, that's the day his son died. Yeah. And the initial date was his first arrival. It's like, you know, that's kind of where the cycle started. Mm-hmm. So he wants to kind of go and break that. Whereas Jimmy wants to create a new beginning. I mean, it makes sense, but, it shows how he hasn't really delved deep into the roots of his problems because he's still looking for an easy, flashy fix. And I think that's that's very interesting. It really, like, I actually just, re- I closed my eyes and just felt like, oh, well, Walter's like, so you've always been like this. <laughs> that hit me so hard. I, I mean, like, even Yo. before we see Chuck, Chuck is in the episode because once, once I see Walt say that, I'm just like, I'm, I'm thinking of Chuck straight away. Like, that yeah, is Chuck, right? Yeah. And yeah, then... That, that was that was really something because you can see how Jimmy's energy just died because he just, he realizes it. He's like, like, in that moment, he went from Saul to Jimmy. And, hmm. you know, he, he said that, you you could have told me about this. I could probably have helped you with the whole, like, um, gray matter thing. Yeah. And honestly... I really think he could have. Jimmy oh, I mean, is a fantastic lawyer. And it's so Walt sad that Walt's that, like, I would never call you. Yeah, Walt doesn't know that Jimmy did so Sandpiper. Good. Yeah, Walt doesn't know that Jimmy did a whole class action, obviously. But Jimmy would have been successful, obviously. But that's not who Walt knows. Walt knows Saul. Walt doesn't know Jimmy McGill. Walt knows Saul Goodman. Yeah. Um, should we talk about quickly about the, the chalk? I mean, we should mention that, like, anyone who remembers the incredible bad choice road monologue that, that um, Mike gives to... Jimmy in was that season four? I think it was five. I think I think it was five. Yeah, it was, it was, five. It was five. Yeah, Bagman and Bad Choice Road. And then obviously Mike holds that his own Bad Choice Road starts the day he takes his first bribe, which goes on to his son dying and well, eventually him dying maybe four years from, from this date. Um should we talk about the final flashback, which is with the truck, which is again was another I was like, oh, I didn't expect this to happen, which Obviously, you should have expected it to happen because he should be on the show. But that was funny because that was a big reversal of roles. It was almost like, I think, I want to assume that this is before the show started. Like, so, because it looks like it's still very early in, in Chuck's situation. 
But it almost felt like Chuck was the one handing out the olive branch. I don't know if it was because he was reading that Time Machine book or whatever, but it seemed like he was one trying to make a connection and then Jimmy was shutting it down, which is obviously a reversal of rules to the the personalities that we know, the relationship that we know from watching the show. What do you think of that final Chuck flashback? I think you're right, but at the same level, I kind of agree with Jimmy. I think Chuck can't help himself but judge. Mm-hmm. I think eventually he would have actually tried to tell him, oh, well, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Because we know now that fundamentally the main thing that really causes the divide in Chuck and Jimmy's relationship is the fact that Chuck genuinely does not believe he's good enough to be a steward of something as sacred to him as the law. Mm-hmm. Like if you if if you change that one thing, their relationship is fundamentally different. Yeah, because if Jimmy was it is because of that, that they're best friends. Yeah, and like Chuck just doesn't respect him. It's like there's always this sense of condescension, even though he wants to connect with him. I feel like eventually the conversation would have just become a thing where they ended up arguing or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's just so sad to see. You know, you have siblings, you want to be able to commune with them, you want to be able to show that you want an involvement in their life yeah. and them actually being able to trust that and count on the notion that there aren't any ulterior motives. So, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of sad, but I, I thought it was a good fact. Right? I thought it was useful. The fact that Chuck was reading the, um, time, the time machine by HG Wells was also very good because, you know, maybe that's the reason that he brought that up in the first place. I mean, that book has a lot of themes, um, regarding you know control agency um and also just what it means to take on a journey and all these characters have been on a journey i think yeah. it's a really good um thematic nod yeah and apparently that book appears in jimmy's nightstand which i never clocked which will explain why he obviously asked that question to mike because he's on his mind as well and then you'd see it in the season six opener premiere of all the things that they're collecting from Saul's um, very gaudy house. So he obviously kept that book long after Chuck died. Um, quickly, just while we're here, let's we talk about Walter White. A little bit, yeah. I don't want to center Walter White in, in Saul's story, but uh, we discussed about how people have taken the wrong lessons from Breaking Bad, or the wrong ideas from Breaking Bad, right? And have kind of liked Walter a lot. And more than a TV character, more than liking a TV character, I like Walter as a TV character. I love Walter as a TV character. I love Don Draper as a TV character, but kind of liked him as the hero of the story. Yeah. And I find it interesting that like the two, as opposed to Jesse, who had a very innocuous like meet um, scene with Kim, right? It doesn't really paint Jesse in a bad light more than we know, but it's kind of more about how, the, it's more of, a, of story progression. But I find it interesting how the two flashbacks we get about Walter. First of all, I'm sorry, Brian Cranston in this one was just like, it was incredible. It was just incredible. I was like, oh my Truly. God. Did you not I was like, you, it's like he never White? left. <laughs> he never left. I was like, did you I was really stop? thinking that. I was like, my goodness, he still has it. He's like all the things. Even the, the, he even played, one thing I, I enjoyed and I was thinking about in the moments was, how he played not just Walt, but Walt in that moment. Because Walt at that time is still arrogant and thinking that they can get out of this mm-hmm. or that he's not over, he's not like down yet. It's like, you know, remember, it's not over till I say it's over, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 
like this is a world too is fully Heisenberg realized. And, you know, he thinks this is maybe just a temporary thing until he comes and destroys his enemies, mm-hmm. not knowing that, like, there's no way out. And it's, it's Jimmy that has to tell him, or I guess in his mind, Saul that has to tell him, it's over, bro. <laughs> yeah. This is this is it. So I like that he played that version of Walt, who sounds so condescending, so irritated, still trying to have some semblance of control in his life that he's trying to fix pipes that he has no business he's touching. Making a tiny sound worse. Like he's making the little click into a banging. Like he's literally making the situation worse. It's not even like, like, yeah. like, dude, just let it go. I could sleep with the click. Now I can't sleep with you pounding. But anyway, yeah. Um, I like how the flashbacks have, in my opinion, they've kind of been like, guys, this is who Walter White really was. Stop forgetting it. Like, stop glorifying who Walter White was. Like the flashback, I think it was... Um, Alan Seppinwall in his review. I'm sorry that I don't know why I'm shouting him out because again, Rolling Stone bigger than me, but just I'm trying to be trying to be good. But in his review, he mentioned how most times when people bring back a a character, a beloved character, in a flashback or whatever, it's kind of like to show you why you, that character was good or why you liked that character, right? So it's more like, oh, this was what was cool about the character. But bringing back Walt in these two flashbacks, like. This is what was annoying about Walter White. Walter White was an annoying character. This is not like... So it's like... I like the fact that he's accentuating all the bad things about him. Like like you said, the arrogance, the condescension. Like when he says, huh, speak up. I'm just like, you are not my teacher. Stop. Do not... Um, stop. Be quiet. So like, I think it just... You're like, oh, this guy was a terrible piece of shit. And then I, I just like that. It's almost like Gilligan and, and Gould are like, we're tired, like, for 10 years, people have been trying to say, like, Walter White was the hero. And now every chance we get, we're going to, like, remind you that he wasn't. Like, this was actually who... And it's funny because, like, I like that we can very easily place where these cameos happen. Like, we know that happens in the Breaking Bad, in the Pentecostal episode of Breaking Bad. We know that happens in, I think that's Ozymandias through Granite State of, of Breaking Bad. Like, so, like, you know that this is not a far-fetched, this is who Walter White was and he was a terrible person in case you forgot. I, I just like that they use, they use the, the flashbacks for that. Also, obviously, pushing the story along, which is always the preferred option. Momentum. Momentum. Um, we'll talk about Kim in a second, but I just want to... Actually, let's talk about Kim. Let's talk about Kim, where we, where we leave Kim now. Um... <sighs> She's she before before she even got the news about that Jimmy was going to testify against her. She kind of she had volunteered at a legal aid clinic, and I think almost like her crying was was, was almost like her, her baptism, her penance. Like it was like now she can she feels free to go and be a lawyer again. Maybe not a full lawyer. Yeah. She probably won't take the bar, but like she can at least be in that world. And she feels like I mean it's notable that she's still very indecisive. And I was like Kim, yeah. just say the meal was bad. Or oh, the meal was good. Like <laughs> nobody would die if you if said so. Literally. So she's still she's still very indecisive. But you can, and even when you see her in the in the final in scene, the prison, the prison, which we'll talk which about by the way implies that she's moved back to New Mexico, which is very interesting well, as well. Not necessarily though. It just means that like she came, she's in New Mexico. Like she could have traveled in to visit, couldn't she? I guess. Well, I guess so. But either way, she could. Because the way she's, I mean, she, I guess she has to look the parts of his lawyer. It's possible that she's still living her life in Florida, but whenever she comes to New Mexico, she can be a practicing lawyer. Maybe she doesn't practice outside of there. She can just do legal aid. 
Who knows? Yeah, no, I don't think she's going to be a practicing lawyer. I think she just can't just use that because nobody's going to check. I don't think, I think any judge will be like, you're not a lawyer. But I was going to talk about her dressing as well because she does, you're right, she does look, it's not simple that like, she's obviously still brunette. Her hair is not in a bun as as Kim Wexler normally is or rather a ponytail. But she does look, you're right, more of the parts. I think maybe she's more, she's in the middle ground. She's an in-between space between Florida Kim and Kim Wexler Esquire. So, um, mm-hmm. so maybe she's probably, I, I don't, I, I guess we can't say for sure whether she's, she's practicing or not, but she's probably a lot more comfortable. I think she's probably broken up with that boyfriend because no woman who isn't trying to punish herself will stay with that guy. No offense to that, actually all of that dude that had, guy. that dude had no opinions whatsoever. Yep. That's, yep. that's just, yep. I think it'd be, it'd yep. be maddening to have any kind of discussion with such a person. <laughs> <laughs> yep yep yeah yeah that's like, like, wow. that, that alone the yup alone is, is enough to enough to break up um yeah but i mean the fact that she uses that new mexico like quote unquote it was, it was interesting to me because like oh okay you're still kim wexler you're gonna break some rules like you're gonna that, that part like you were breaking rules before you met jimmy and you're gonna break rules after you you've met jimmy jimmy that's not gonna change you're still gonna bend some rules maybe i should say so I found it very able to Florida Kim would never have done that. Florida Kim would never have used her expired license, which was actually not showing exp- expiration date, to get into prison. But Kim Wexler can do that. Um, so in the courtroom, when Jimmy confesses, what do you think? Like, what do you think really impresses Kim the most with Jimmy's confession? Because we see that like it kind of goes through stages, which is incredible acting from both Racy and Bob and the Kirk, where they don't say anything and you just see their conversations via their faces. What do you think what do you think makes her decide to go visit Jimmy after? I think it's probably to get her own closure, maybe. Because even though she mm-hmm. saw what he clearly tried to do for her in that courtroom, they didn't really have true interaction other than eye contact. I think and it's funny because when she does get to visit him, she doesn't say much. But I like that they instead do a callback to them standing at the wall smoking because that's how they really, you know, I guess connected in a way. That was one of the things that made them really feel at peace. It's like, you're here, I'm here. Each of us is aware that the other person is here. We don't have to feel compelled to do or say anything. Let's just be. And I got I, I, I got a real sense of comfort in the fact that they, they got to actually do that again. I think she wanted to see him to as well to let him know that you know she's around you know that there is forgiveness and you know even though there's still time here you know maybe she makes it a regular thing just to come see him from time to time make sure he's okay Mm -hmm. because she is all he has left and i think she knows that you know so while she has all the only difference that while she has options he he does not so I have to say, I'm also very happy that he's not necessarily overly tormented in the prison. Like, he has a job that he's doing. You know, people mm-hmm. like him. I'm sure a lot of people there, maybe there are people that he's helped before that got back yeah. in trouble, but he wasn't around to help them again. So I like yeah, that people are pissed off him. That so. he, yeah, that he has a community and, and all that. So it's I'm glad that he, you know nobody's beating him or whatever. Because <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time when, they, when we see scenes like this, after the fact that just to show that oh this person really has has made it down into the dumps and they're getting the punishment they deserve we see all kinds of scenes of them just like 
being in situations where that, that would make them regret doing anything to bring them into prison. But we know enough that he's feeling regrets. We've seen that mm-hmm. throughout the episode. So now we see that he's almost at peace with the fact that, you know, this is not what I wanted. This is what I spent my entire life running away from. But here I am. I've accepted that I am Jimmy McGill. Yeah. You know? Um, I think Peter Gould said that that was one of the reasons why he included that boss scene because, like, he doesn't want people to to be thinking about the stereotypes that you think about people when people go to prison, right? So he included that boss scene to be like, look, Saul is probably going to be fine in prison, right? He saw, like, yeah. he'll probably get the guards and he might end up doing, well, no, I was going to say he might end up doing money laundry for the warden like Andy Dufresne, but he probably wouldn't because he's, he's a changed man. <laughs> but I assume he will be giving legal advice to some of the inmates and like you said, the other ones yeah. that he's not giving advice probably have friends that like owe their freedom to 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 Saul. So like he's he's going to be a hero in in prison. I do disagree with you on the point, and I don't know if we talk about it. We didn't kind of expand on it earlier, but about the point that he did what he did mostly for Kim. Well, mostly to help Kim. I, I, I still mostly think to help was, her. I just think part of it was to help her, like or at least okay. to have her there. Um, I think he did it for. Like kind of to get the weight off his chest finally. Like and do I do think it was a self-confrontation, but mm-hmm. he wanted Kim there. And the parts like he he's especially told them that hey, I lied, she didn't have anything to do with any of that. I just wanted her to be here, which has him corroborating the fact that she has not actually committed any real crime. So nobody can chase after her except for the civil suits from Howard's wife, if that comes. So Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree with you at that point. Yeah, because I, I still think that he did it mostly for himself and to like get rid of all that. But I guess he's Jimmy. He also still wants an audience, and the only audience he's ever really ever wanted was Kim. Was Kim. So he wants Kim to be there to see him when he's he's a good boy. Um, <laughs> poor Bill Oakley. He yeah. really, really tried to get out of this case. It was like, it's like, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> he's like, can I please go? She's like, not a chance. Oh my not God. A chance. Um, so for you and I and for the five listeners, can we just like talk about the feat that was the Gilligan verse? These guys ended up telling a story over 14 years, 11 seasons, 123 episodes, one movie. That's like Peter Gould wrote. Quite an achievement, isn't it? Peter Gould wrote um, Saul's introduction in Breaking Bad in the Pentecostal episode of Breaking Bad season two. I think it's two or eight. Mm-hmm. And that would have been, what, maybe 2009? And when they wrote that and they cast <laughs> known comedic legend Bob Odekirk, nobody thought it was going to be a spin-off dramatic show how many years. I, I was just like, wow. Like, to tell... Truly, like, wow. Wow. I Knocked it out of the park. It's one thing to... Yeah, like, it, it's one thing to have a show that is, like, breaking back. And then, like, to have an, a spin-off that is just as good. Some people arguing is whether it's better based on a character that had no business handling the spin-off. Like, like if, if they came out and said the spin-off was a Gus Fring prequel, maybe would have been interested. Or or even a Mike prequel. Those, those are like, you're like, oh, I can see this too. But they're like, no, we're going to go with so good. And you're like, I just love that so much. Why? I, I, yeah, exactly. I love it because, you know, it's 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 very detailed and painstaking proof that Saul Goodman's presence in Breaking Bad was no real accident. 
Like he has been more involved with these people than Walt ever was. Like Walt, like if we, if in reality, if we really look at everything chronologically, look at all the information we've been given, these guys had a good thing going. And then Walt is the guy who showed up in the final like year and a half and just blew up everybody's situation. Like he was, he was the problem, the problem that they should have stayed away from. And Mike yeah. knew. I've said it before. Mike knew, okay. <laughs> but no, nobody me. wanted to listen to Mike that day. I, I just, I just think it's, it's really fun that they've done that because you wouldn't expect Jimmy McGill to be the guy who really ties all of this stuff together. It's like, oh, a prequel about, about the lawyer. Why? But you, you don't realize at the time that the lawyer really is the glue that holds the situation together. Like he, he links all these different people. You know, he is like, on one hand, you have like Howard and Kim. On the other hand, you have the cartel. Then you have like Waltz, which then brings in the DEA and a whole bunch of other people. And, you know, it's the the guy has been through a lot. And because of that, we see things in a whole new light. I think they definitely delivered on the promise of Breaking Bad appearing different in a slightly more robust way now that we've seen Better Call Saul. We know a lot more now. There's so much more context. Scenes that we've even like the the, the 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 appearance of Walt in this episode, for example, we knew that they were together in that cellar for some time. We knew that they were in that basement. We knew that they spent some time there. We knew that Walt wanted to continue, and Jimmy was like, "This is it." And now we know who Jimmy is. We can understand why he said, "This is it." Mm-hmm. You know, he's seen the whole road. Walt doesn't. I don't think he ever fully understood what he was dealing with. Because even when he took over and Fring died, like everything came crashing because he didn't know how to uphold that. So he's like, he's like, I'm in the empire business, bro. You've never designed an empire. You think empires are built in built overnight? No. So I mean, being there and like seeing this new scene where we where we look at conversations that they had, what their dynamic was like, you know, it gives us a new sense of um of real understanding regarding what all those relationships were like. You yeah. know where they went going forward, what their what their headspace was, and I think that's that's really cool because even right now at the very end, these guys are still rounding the characters, and that's so cool. You know, you have a character driven story in a story that's you know so like plot focused in a in a in a detail oriented way, right? Mm-hmm. The plot is great, and we love to follow it. But the characters are the ones who give that the fuel. And I think that's why this is so engaging because it's the characters that we tend to invest in. Yeah. I mean, that, that scene with, between Walt and, and Jimmy was just very interesting to me because I was looking at it, I was like, these are just two lead characters of very different shows, but also kind of like under the same umbrella. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, you can see it in performance. Like, Walt is jittery and like loud and condescending and Big Bang, which is what Breaking Bad was, and then Saul is quiet and trying to sleep and like speaking with hushed tone, which is what Better Call Saul was. And just like, I'll just think about it now. It kind of reminds me of like when Power Rangers will have these crossover episodes, right? And you have two Red Rangers in the same episode. It's like these are two number ones, are two leaders of their respective shows going at it in this scene in two different ways. I'm like, oh, at one point, at no point is it a Breaking Bad. Like it feels like a Breaking Bad scene, or rather, it looks like a Breaking Bad scene because we know where it's where it's set. But it feels like a Better Call Saul scene. It feels like like Bob Odenkirk leading this scene. He's the lead actor. It's just yeah. I mean, it's just it's just very very good. 
Yeah, I just love the fact that look this. I've said it before, the writers are smarter than me. They pick the right scenes, pick the right everything. Like, oh, this is where we're going to throw this. It's just all good. Um, yeah, that's why they pay them the big bucks. That's why they pay them the big bucks. Yeah, Gilligan and Gold. Before we leave for the final time in the Breaking Bad universe, um, I don't, let's just check in with some of the other characters that we didn't really get to see in the last few weeks. I mean, Mike had some cameos, but in essence, essentially the last scene we get of Mike in Better Call Saul is the scene with Nacho's father. Right, um, mm-hmm. which is just like again, another. We're not going to go that again because that was a different episode. But another great scene, another great like the themes there. His natural father basically dressing down Mike and calling him a gangster. That he just wants re- revenge, not justice, and all that. And I mean, it's sad because that's what 2004. So that's like six years before Mike dies, which is which because when when Mike is like, there's some people I want to check in in five to ten years time and see how they're doing. I'm like, oh, you'll be dead by then, and they won't be doing well because. They won't have any money. I was like, oh, that's sad. I was just, I was just thinking about yeah. like, oh, that's very sad. It really is. And, you know, it, it, it makes so much sense too because, you know, that conversation being the last, that, that's like chronologically Mike's last contribution to this show. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, if you draw a line right at that point, you can see that the Mike before then was struggling mentally, emotionally, morally. The Mike after then is like, I know who I am. I know what I am, but I know why I have to be who and mm-hmm. what I am. So I'm just going to keep doing it. So it's like he accepts that he is a gangster. And now we know why he made that acceptance. Yeah. We now know what kind of made him so disappointed in himself that he stopped fighting for, you know, his original moral code. He let it continue adjusting. And we also, can see that it was that realization, knowing that he failed to Nacho and his father, that that, that kind of mm-hmm. like stops him. Yeah, I was going to say, but also like Nacho's death explains his loyalty to his men. Remember, that's the reason he dies, is because he doesn't want to give yeah. Walter his list, the list of his men. And he's like, he doesn't yeah. want them, one of his men, i.e. Nacho, to, to die like that again. Um, Gus. Gus had no cameos. And the last time we actually see Gus is... Wasn't he drinking wine? He was drinking wine. <laughs> read diamonds sommelier and it's funny because that scene probably I, w- I don't want to go as far as it's like it's the biggest character development scene for girls because obviously but it's actually a scene that answered a question that people have, have been asking for over what 12 13 years which is obviously Gus's sexuality and all that and then that, that scene confirms that he that, that his partner was probably also his partner and it's just like mm-hmm. it's a scene that answers so many questions but at the same time it's like oh this is a man who again this is a man who is going to do very terrible things in Breaking Bad and has done terrible things in Better Call Saul but you're like yeah. in this one moment it really humanizing you're like oh this is a man who just can never have love in his life because anyone that comes close to him will probably die by a swimming pool like the last person did and yeah and then he spends what they spent five maybe longer minutes just on them talking about wine and that's the last time we ever see Gus so yeah yeah I yeah this is a, a great show a, a, a great show a, a show that had no right being as good as it was um and managed to stick the landing man it like it, it's I, I just keep saying like it's one thing to do Breaking Bad but to come up and do this after it's just you know what maybe maybe House of the Dragon would be a similar similar success story and be better than the one that came before it, based on the ending. Anyways. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All I'll say. 
I was going to ask you this question, but I think we are both on the same side. I was, is, this is the year 2022, if you're listening in 20, 2030. And obviously, Jimmy, Jimmy is sentenced in 2010, so it's been 12 years. Is he still in prison, or has he gone off for good behavior? I think he's probably, I think he's still in prison, but we're getting to the point where they're maybe willing to consider um, doing a reevaluation. So? In less than, what, 20 years already? Just maybe, just because, like, he, assuming he's Jimmy and he hasn't gone back into Saul behavior, yeah. then he would have actually been behaving well, doing his time, maybe getting visits from Kim, you know, everybody there, like, he's, like, has, everybody that sees him in an okay light, he doesn't really have enemies, so, yeah. Maybe, I think, maybe I think eight it's, more I, th- I think it's maybe doable. In- Maybe, maybe, in eight, maybe a few eight, more years. Like they, yeah. they, now, they're getting to the point where, like, they'll come, like, the law will visit and be like, "Okay, we see this, this is, and this. Maybe you can actually I mean, he's start 62 now, getting so money for this." Yeah, yeah, it's getting it's getting quite old. He's sixty two now. Um, yeah. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us through this Better Call Saul run. Um, this has been a fun season, a great season, great show. Um, shout out to Gilligan and Go. Shout out to Bob Odenkirk, Ray Sehan. Jonathan Banks, Giancarlo Esposito, Patrick Fabian, Michael Mando. Am I missing anyone? I think that's it. Yeah. Um, the writers, directors, Thomas Schnauz, Michael Morris, and Cherkis, Alison Tolman. Um, you guys can't see if you're listening, but I'm, this is all going on top of my head. So Tony Dalton. We see Tony quite, Dalton. <gasps> Tony Dalton. I forgot about Tony Dalton. I was going to say I'm quite impressed, yeah. but I forgot about Tony Dalton. Um... I think that's the only person. I think I think I think I've got everyone else. Mark Margolis. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Patrick Fabian. Yeah, but uh, nice, Patrick Fabian. Michael yeah. McKean, who played Chuck. I think this is. I'm going to my. Yes. I think that is it now. I believe that should be it. Unless um, you want to say Betsy Brandt. <laughs> well, you know, only shout out Betsy Brandt. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to everyone else that has worked on this show, that has worked in this universe. Brian mm-hmm. Cranston, Aaron Paul, all that. Um, yeah, and join us next week when I'll be talking about industry. We'll be talking about House of the Dragon, but we'll be joined by star of Jordan Peele's Nope, which is in theaters now. Go watch that. Daniel Kaluuya. Bye, guys. See ya.